0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into the QB SCO show. This is episode number four, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K I S T. Joining me today, QB1 in our hearts and in our dreams. Joining us again because he can't get away from his buddy Mike. He is Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark. How you doing, brother?
2: Doing fantastic, my friend. Always a pleasure to be with you. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about Washington Redskins quarterback Colt Ooh. McCoy. And as we do for all of these shows, we're going to open with a little, a little bit of a historical type yeah. of reference here. And. In reality, I'm going to put to bed two myths, one of which I have been putting out there myself about my sort of adopted hometown. As people may or may not know, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, which I have since the year 2002, believe it or not. And one of the things that people who have ever been to D.C., who live in D.C. might tell you, perhaps because of the weather, which we're going to get to in a second, is that Washington, D.C. was built on a swamp. Hmm. Well, that is... Objectively false. (laughs) Within the city's original boundaries, only about 2% of the total area fits the actual definition of a swamp. In fact, DC was almost laid laid out entirely over well-drained terraces and hills. In fact, for a riverside site it was amazingly free of swampiness. That is directly from Don Hawkins, who is a Washingtonian, an architect, and a historian of early Washington, D.C., and a piece he wrote for the Washington Post. Now, because of the weather in D.C., which I mentioned, if you're ever here in August and July, it does feel like a swamp. It is hot. It is sticky. It is unbearable. People often say, I am included in this, that Back in the early 20th century, foreign diplomats that had to spend summers in the D.C. area were given hazard pay by their countries because the weather was so oppressively hot, humid, and brutal. That is also... Objectively false. (laughs) That perception was first expressed in a 1985 Washington Post column by Haynes Johnson, who wrote, in the pre-air conditioning days, this capital city was officially designed a hardship post for diplomats because of our swampy swelter and unhealthy climate. Well, the Washington Post years later looked into that. They checked with other nations such as England and France and other countries. None of them had any sort of record of paying hazard pay to their diplomats for living in Washington, D.C. So there are some facts about Washington, D.C., facts not of the Colt McCoy variety.
1: (laughs) I love that you're filling out this time talking about anything but Colt McCoy. Anything
2: but Colt McCoy. (laughs) I'm trying to put it off as long as I can.
1: We we can do some more of that, Mark, because obviously the reason that we're talking about Colt McCoy today is because – Tragedy struck for the Redskins when Alex Smith went down with an unfortunate and gruesome injury. So before we get into what Colt brings or doesn't bring to the table, I wanted to touch on Alex Smith and how he operated within this offense considering the resources that they doled out to acquire him. And coming into the season when me and Benjamin Solak previewed the Washington Redskins and Alex Smith specifically, I was of the mind that there was a better chance considering the weapons in Washington compared to the weapons in Kansas City and working with really 12 years worth of previous film and stats on Alex Smith that Smith would likely revert back to his more conservative self after the 2017 season uh, where he had his most aggressive season over the year. I, I think I actually called him uh, that was his psycho jet season. So and, and that's not <laughs> to say that, you know, him reverting back would necessarily be a bad thing. But it wasn't going to be like this big boon for the Redskins. And there were still some limitations to what he was going to be able to do compared to the previous year. And, and just looking at his box score, it looks like that's what happened. Or am I being mis? led by the numbers, which can so often be the case.
2: No, I think, Mike, you're exactly right with the numbers. And part of it is the weaponry around him. When you look at what he was working with in Kansas City, you had a guy like Tariq Hill. You had Kareem Hunt. You had guys outside of the tight end position. When you look at this Redskins offense now, who on the outside really concerns you as a vertical threat, as a deep threat, as a boundary type receiver? Josh Doxson, maybe? I mean, it's a question mark. They're arguably their best receiver, their best weapon in the passing game is Jordan Reed and the time machine, time confounded Vernon Davis of all people. You know, and, and so when you're looking at an offense constructed with those kinds of weapons, it's sort of natural that you would see Alex Smith sort of revert to the quarterback he was before he had that sort of cycle jet season, like you so accurately put
1: it. So yeah, a little Fallout reference. I know Fallout 76 just came out. Can we talk about that
2: instead of Colt McCoy? <laughs>
1: Actually, I am wondering how you're enjoying it. Is I'm it actually, is it pretty good?
2: I'm actually enjoying it, and it seems weird because it's getting such bad reviews. And the story you have to like almost pull. It's like a dentist pulling teeth. You have to like pull the story <laughs> out of the game. But I'm spending time just like building my little camp and like you know doing weird things like just exploring. It's it's forced you to sort of just explore more. Rather Hmm. than like it being story-driven like the previous Fallouts were, like Fallout 4, extremely story-driven, you know. With the Minutemen and all that stuff, but you know, it's kind of yeah. like you know Red Dead Two. I know you've been spending time just fishing, yeah, <laughs> with Arthur. So I mean, you find your way around the game and you enjoy it. I've been I've been digging Fallout. I got to say.
1: So speaking of stories, little we'll transition there. Uh, I'll, I'll go with a historical reference. My mind for the show, and it's going to dovetail nicely with the topic of the show, and we'll start getting into Colt McCoy. I swear we will. Do I we swear have to? we will. Do we have to? We're pulling teeth just like getting to the story in Fallout 76. But okay, so my historical reference. During the Second Punic War, (laughs) which lasted over a a decade in the late 3rd century, Hannibal had just crossed the Alps and smashed the Romans at the Battle of the Trebia and the Battle of Lake Tresamine. And I could talk about Lake Tresamine for hours, but here's the point. After that, the Romans knew that they had to go in a different strategic direction with this thing. So they appointed a dictator whose name was And wait for this. Quintus. Fabius Maximus Veracusus. And yes, that's supposedly how it's pronounced. That's well done. Now, now he developed the quote unquote Fabian strategy, which you may have heard of. Having seen what Hannibal did to the Roman legions in large scale pitch battles, he opted not to face him head on, rather engage him only in smaller conflicts while attacking supply lines and utilizing a scorched earth policy that would make it more difficult for the Carthaginians to plunder food supply and it made other supplies less accessible all tactics that we would know today as guerrilla warfare and some of which fabius is giving credit as the inventor of so fabius is known as the quote-unquote the delayer this is the plan that stalled hannibal's rapid advance into roman territory and eventually won the day for the romans as hannibal was bogged down in italy for a while now you would think with a backup quarterback that jay gruden would employ a conservative strategy very similar to the fabian strategy you think he would limit the playbook uh, maybe not extend the offense so much so on and so forth but what I saw when I turned the tape on against the Cowboys was that Jay Gruden was anything but a delayer in fact I saw a run pass balance that even before it became a two-score game in the fourth quarter was very pass heavy and they were running a ton of vertical field stretching concepts they were wholly unafraid of what the downgrade from Alex Smith to Colt McCoy meant for them and putting a lot of trust in McCoy who isn't some green young buck out there. He's been around for a bit. But Mark, I was very surprised and I'll even say delighted because I'm all for not turtling up when you have a veteran backup in there and just going for it because you've got to try and give yourself a chance to put up some points. The, the, the line is beat up, so the ground game isn't hitting like it was. So regardless of the result, I was impressed by the aggressive mentality regardless of the results.
2: First off, tremendous, tremendous historical reference. You really nailed that. What it, The segue was just perfect. <laughs> I think you sort of nailed it. And I was surprised as well, sort of going back and looking at this game, because you you would expect, you know, sure, it's Colt McCoy, he's a veteran, he's been around for a while, but, you know, he's not the most talented quarterback in the world. So maybe you'd see a lot more of what we saw under Jay Gruden during the Kirk Cousins era, a lot more of the... You know, dedicated half field concepts, a lot more of the mirrored passing concepts. And we saw some of them, like one of their first pass plays yeah. of the game was a mirrored curl design, you know, space into both sides of the field. But they really had a vertical element to their passing game against Dallas. They did a lot out of four verts. They did four verts out of a 12 personnel with a two tight end wind look to the right side of the field, which gets you into your base defense if you're Dallas. It gets you into a cover three base type defense for the Cowboys. And that gives you the opportunity to work those two seam routes, bracket in the free season in the middle of the field and that's what Colt McCoy did for a big game to the tight end Vernon yeah. Davis and you saw you know the touchdown to Vernon Davis that was two vertical routes to one side of the field out of a three by one and then you get that bender from Davis from the right as the inside trips receiver to the left which sets up you know a flat seven smash type look obviously that bender has to come a long way to do it but again it's a vertical more aggressive downfield approach And so i was very surprised to see that but it was very well executed
1: and mark i wanted to talk about that one too because i thought that was a really good design because the cowboys checked into cover three mabel so what happens is that linebacker he has to get the number three which is davis on the inside so he has to carry him middle and vertical and then on the nub side you know the tight end is in line he's got no one outside of him which is jordan reed he runs that out route which creates space over top for that vertical route to work when he's working one-on-one with the linebacker and then the safety in the middle of the field is peaking those two vertical routes that you talked about so he can't get over quite in time I thought it was a really good
2: design it was a great design because like you said when they check into cover three mail like that one you get that you know linebacker having to carry that route which is a tough ask against even Verbin Davis he's still an athletic guy that can outrun the majority of linebackers but by using that sort of out route from the nub tight end that cover three corner to that side, he has to come down on that naturally because he sees that. He doesn't know that he's got this long delay and bender that's going to end up behind him. Right. So he breaks down on that, which is, like you said, creates space, frees up the sideline. A fantastic design. I love seeing that. That was a really creative way to get from the personnel usage. Obviously, you're in 12 personnel, so you get sort of a base-type look. You get a base-type defensive call, and then you attack it with the perfect play call. Just well done by Gruden and good execution as well from Colt McCoy.
1: And what else did you see from some of their vertical concepts? Because you, you mentioned uh, some of the the four verts, which they used a lot, and they used a variation of that in a touchdown of, of which we just spoke. But you also saw some some dagger concepts and some uh, what the three man dagger they called NASCAR. You also saw some deals where they were trying to get some rub routes, and I, I think that's where some of the interceptions came uh, as well. In the beginning, they were trying to hit Trey Quinn. On a rub route or on a rub route where you get like the curl and you get the the wheel coming around it and they weren't able to get the pick. Anthony Brown stayed home for it. The throw was never there. But, but overall, I mean, you saw a ton of stuff where they really wanted to attack downfield and going back to even like some of, some of the interceptions it, it for me with McCoy. They're threatening downfield, yes, but the problem is, and you saw it on that one that I just spoke—the decision making. But then the other one where they were doing that three-man dagger, he made the correct read. It was to to Mo Harris, if I'm not mistaken, and he was just—he threw up a wobbler down the yeah. field, and it was uh, ended up as an interception. So they're trying to attack it; they're having some success, but at the same time, you have a quarterback in Colt McCoy who is going to limit the results that you're going to get out of it because of his decision making and because some throws can get away from him.
2: Yeah, and because of those reasons, you know, Washington right now, they have to do a lot in terms of scheming some stuff open because he's not somebody that's going to be able to, you know, throw a guy open in sort of a tight window situation. You know, on some of these interceptions, we saw him trying to do that, trying to force some throws. And yeah, the game had gotten away from him. So game script kind of plays a factor here, but he's not somebody that's going to like see sort of that tight window ban post between, you know, cover three corner to cover three safety and sort of drill that in there and have much right. success doing that. And so, you know, from a scheme standpoint, you know, we, we mentioned that three by one bender and the, the, the vertical stuff, you saw a lot of mesh and rub concepts too. For example, the open and drive strip sack that came on a mesh, you know, when they right. had some slow routes breaking over, you know, over the top of that, the mesh wasn't there. He was forced to try to create and you get a strip sack situation. You, you saw a ton of levels concepts. I mean, you know, three receiver levels working to the middle of the field. Gruden will tag that on the backside of almost any sort of route. design. In the third quarter, the touchdown to Trey Quinn, the previous play, they had run sort of a levels look with a post, that dig, and then the shallow crosser. So it's like almost an NCAA Mills type, you could call it that too. Right. They come right back to it and Mills, the post route from Quinn, he just cuts it short because they're in the red zone. Um, so you're going to see that three level sort of mills nca mills levels whatever you want to call it stretch sometimes tag to the backside of concepts as well you know to try to get I an mean, easy you know mccoy sort of easy three level type read to one side of the field or the other
1: yeah and that's something that's going to be available to them against this eagles defense and they're probably going to be playing a lot more base because they tried to mix things up against the giants it didn't work out they had to simplify things play more base defense play more you know traditional cover three like they've done before so those levels concepts are, are they're going to get open routes especially with some of the miscommunications happening in the secondary right now but one thing that I wanted to talk about with McCoy is you saw him get under pressure at times and he was able to use his legs I think he scrambled about five times and it was effective in that way but the Cowboys were getting home with stunts they've got this beat up offensive line Uh, how do you feel about Colt McCoy under pressure maybe comparative to some other quarterbacks that might handle it maybe a little bit better
2: yeah I mean that's just it you know he's athletic enough where he can get outside of the pocket and make some things happen but it's not the best offensive system and it's not what the Washington Redskins want to see happening too often I mean he had a nice play where he broke the pocket roll and left found Vernon Davis on a sit route sort of scramble drill adjustment in the middle of the field for a decent enough gain and that stuff is fine but then when you see the strip sack when he's pressured and has to try to make something happen you see some of the other you know incompletions and throwaways and things like that happen when He's facing pressure that other quarterbacks might handle it much better. You know, that's sort of the recipe, I think, for Jim Schwartz and this defense in this game is, look, if you can – and I know it sounds so easy to say, but if you can get pressure with four – maybe five while still playing your base sort of coverage behind it given what you have to do given the injuries that this defense has, that's gonna be the way to win this game, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Because McCoy is going to make some mistakes in those situations. And sometimes look in the face of the blitz, I just get done working up a piece, you know, on Phillip Rivers and how well he's handled blitzes this year. Sometimes you're asked to sort of hand in there that extra moment and make sort of an anticipation throw or throw into a tighter window because you might see seven, eight guys spot dropping behind it. McCoy doesn't have that ability like we were talking about. And so putting those pieces together, that's sort of the you know the game plan I think for this Eagles defense.
1: So with McCoy and the Redskins are in a spot right now where they were leading the division, they look like the best team in the division. They were at least the the team capable of more consistently putting together sixty minute games. And then you throw in this monkey wrench with the injury to Alex Smith, and you know six and five, and the Cowboys are also six and five, and the Eagles are knocking right on the door at five and six. So it's wide open right now. Colt McCoy lifetime QB record, and I know. Q QB wins is a, is a terrible stat but you know you look at a guy who is 7 and 19 for his uh, 7 and 7 and 19 for his career and then 1 and 4 in the past 4 years so the the question becomes Colt McCoy is a decent backup I would say and possibly a spot starter but what you're asking from Colt McCoy is to be able to finish this season out for the Redskins and get them to a playoff berth. Do you trust him over the long term of the season? Because this is going to be a significant stint for him as a starter.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure I would go as far to say that I would trust him because you look at, for example, Washington's schedule. You've got three out of, five, three out of your five games left are on the road. You know, Mm you go to Philly this week, then you get a home game against the Giants, and then you go to Jacksonville and to Tennessee. And that Jacksonville defense, they've been a little bit underwhelming, you know, so maybe that isn't kind of the matchup you thought it might be when this season kicked off. But Tennessee might be fighting for their playoff lives, you know, in week 16 there. So that looks to be a tough game. And then your two home games are divisional games against familiar opponents, You know, one of which obviously Philadelphia in week 16 – I mean week 17, excuse me, looks to be in a position where they'll still be fighting for their playoff lives. And the Giants, oddly enough, are coming on. I mean they seem to be taking an interesting route to figuring out their quarterback issues. But they're winning some games and playing tough now too. And so you look at that game right now and – that schedule right now and are they winnable games for the Redskins with Colt McCoy yeah but are you overly confident in them winning those games I'm not so sure about that I could see them losing four if not all five of those games right now and that's probably not the way you wanted to see this season end up if you were a Washington fan after starting five and two yeah
1: it's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds last question for you Mark before we get to your prediction for the game I wanted to ask you just with what's going on with the Eagles secondary and we saw against the Giants there's Starting guys like Craven LeBlanc, uh, Chandon Sullivan, who had a really rough day, especially with communication. Nathan Gary was in there and was lost in in coverage. And you're dealing with Trey Sullivan and other guys off the off the street that couldn't make the team coming into the season, being starters, getting significant playing time. The Eagles are going to be playing some very basic coverages, and they're also gonna you know they're gonna throw in their cover three, but they're also gonna throw in some cover one with man and, and whatnot against this Eagles defense. What would you recommend? recommend for the Redskins offense as far as how you would maybe some key things that you would use to attack this defense where they can kind of get the offense on schedule
2: well I mean I think what you want to do if you're Jay Gruden is you want to turn to some of the designs that we were talking about a little bit earlier you go you know multiple tight end packages whether it's 12 personnel whether you even want to be you know completely wild and wacky and go 13 personnel you can steal a page from Frank Reich's playbook because they that gets your defense into base that gets you in a situation where you're going to have the defense you want to attack. And what you can do out of that is then run some of these vertical concepts. I mean, one of my favorite plays from any coach, from any team this year, and this is probably going to pain Eagles fans to hear it, <laughs> but it's a play that the Colts ran against Jacksonville a couple weeks ago where they came out. Was 13, it the 13
1: personnel and then they yeah, had like 13 personnel, the they
2: motion to empty and they go four <laughs> verts out of it. And so you get them in a situation where they're in base, you've gotten three tight ends to one side, and so what they end up doing is they actually put Jalen Ramsey back as the free safety the middle yeah. of the field, so they could bring their extra guys sort of down and gets them in the box against that tight end look, and you run four verts out of that. Yeah, and it, it, it's just a great way to sort of dictate personnel, dictate coverage, and then take advantage of it. And as an offensive play caller, when you can. Put out a play, whether it's due to personnel or alignment or whatever, and get the defense in the coverage you want to attack. Get them to go into that defense, and then have the play called to attack that. The upper hand is yours. Yeah, you know it's like you know seizing the high ground on the battlefield. Like you've got the advantage, and. So Jay Gruden needs to do some of that. Use the multiple tight end personnel packages to get them into base and drop these plays like we saw that that three by one bender we talked about for the touchdown to Vernon Davis. You come out of that 12 personnel package in a three by one, you know tendencies they're going to be in base they're going to check to cover three mabel when they see that look you're going to have the perfect play call to attack that now it then comes down to execute and can you get the protection you need for a long slow development play waiting for Vernon davis to cover half the field there if you can you're gonna hit on it and so that's the things that you know gruden needs to do he needs to identify some of the tendencies you've seen from philadelphia over the past couple of weeks when we come out 12 personnel they will be in base okay check when we come out in three by one and 12 personnel they'll be in cover three check. Now you run the design to a sort of attack that. You've got to set those plays up. You do that, you can have some opportunities to make some plays in the passing game, but it then comes down to executing and do we trust Colt McCoy to execute more then he doesn't
1: yeah and i really like the way that you put that because it touches on a couple of things number one because the depth of the eagles has been so poor a lot of the times against 12 they would use big safety sets but now big nickel with three safeties but right now because of the depth they're using three linebacker sets and you know nathan gary can be definitely exposed in that situation so if you get a matchup with him that's something that you want to exploit something that the giants did was they would come out and they would go with tempo and they would quick snap and you know it would set the defense up that has issues commute communicating and really try to exploit that and then what you do is when you throw in that if you're the Redskins you come out that 13 personnel then all of a sudden you shift and then boom you quick snap if you have that stuff installed you're making the defense adjust on the fly to these different shifts and you know chances are you might be able to get a coverage bust you know we saw the Giants exploit some of that in the last matchup so we'll see how that plays out for the Redskins but uh, just just a prediction for this game Mark do you, do you think the Redskins have a chance with Colt? McCoy, the dreaded Colt McCoy at the helm.
2: I mean, first off, just to build off that last point you just made, I'm going to anger probably half the audience here, but as a former quarterback, (laughs) I've long believed that if you can make guys on the defensive side of the ball have to think just before the snap, you're going to be in a good position to have a big play. So I just wanted to drop that out there. Um, As for a prediction for this game, you know, I do think Philadelphia, you know, with the way they played last week, the sort of the the way they sort of came back in that game, I, I sort of loved, you know, seeing Malcolm Jenkins with that interception before halftime, having him sort of aligned as that middle of the field defender at a tamper two look. I thought that was a huge play at that moment, sort of set the stage for, you know, coming back to win that game. You know, I, I think Philadelphia is going to find a way to win this game. I think Colt McCoy, yeah, they have a chance. Yeah, they're coming off kind of a mini buy. They played on Thanksgiving, so they'll have some time to install some stuff and probably do some film work like we were just talking about. But I think if you look at the talent on that offense right now and how they've been struggling a bit, you know, I think that the Eagles will have enough defensively, and they'll have enough offensively from Carson Wentz and company to get enough points to pull out a win in this game.
1: I like it. I'm just picking the Eagles, picking man. The Eagles that's two weeks in game.
2: a row. I mean, I got to get these right, all right? <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to fire me.
1: Yeah, you get, I get, you got to get on that run, baby. We need, we need a playoff run here before. You know, we need a win before we get into Dallas for sure. So,
2: yeah, yeah I mean, with that stretch coming up at Dallas, at the Rams, and then Houston <laughs> at home, that's a tough stretch. You guys got to be six and six headed into that.
1: Yeah, and we got to get something rolling. All right, so that is going to do it for today. Thank you, Mark, for joining me to talk about some erotic Colt McCoy action. <laughs> uh, we'll be back uh, next week with this show. Coming up next, it'll be the Kiston Solak Show. We'll be previewing the Redskins offense even further against the Eagles defense. Me and Benjamin Solek on the Kiston Solak Show will be doing that. That's tomorrow. All, as always, five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Get in those written reviews. We're going to be reading those reviews very, very soon. We appreciate Appreciate you getting those in or like almost 555 star ratings. Now it's so awesome. We appreciate the support, but that's going to do it for now. Thank you so much for joining us on the QB sco show. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB nation.